People always want to know what it's like to be me. How does it feel to see a dead body? Tell a family their loved one has been murdered. Talk to a rape victim. Catch a killer. And get them to confess. Hold on tight, my friends. Get ready for the journey. And welcome to Murder with Menina. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Murder with Menina. Special guest, and I'm going to throw this to Colleen. Okay, so we're starting a series called Close Calls. I already uh, shared one of my close calls when I escaped a serial killer. Might have been the Golden State Killer. Um, But we're going to have listeners share their close calls. And Chris, you're going to weigh in with um, information, safety tips, and perhaps your own experiences uh, working in law enforcement. And the whole uh, point of this is to uh, help people be better detectives in their own lives. Uh, pay attention to their instincts and keep themselves safe. So our first guest is a very good friend of mine, Maite Soltero, and she's going to talk about an experience that she had when she was in college. Oh, hi, guys. Okay, so way back, way back when, 1992, I was a student at University of Miami in Florida, and an international student. I had come from all the way from Argentina and I was um, a freshman, I think at the end of my freshman year. Um, Very studious. I've always been kind of like on a nerdy side and UM was a little bit of a party school. So I always kept a little bit to myself and with the international student crowd. So I would go to the library every night and study a lot. That was my routine. And I lived off campus. My parents had an apartment uh, in Key Biscayne, which is like a little bit of a drive away from it, and you have to cross a bridge. So it was a na- one of the nights, and that this is, was my usual routine. Um, I actually stayed a little bit past. I was like 11 at night. So I was studying at the library, and I left, and uh, I was walking to my car. I just felt something was kind of weird enough, but I was like, oh, whatever, I have to walk really fast. Nobody was around me, but I just got into my car and started driving home. And I kind of noticed there was a van following me, but I'm like, whatever, you know, there's so many cars and the highway. Let me interject. Didn't you notice the guy in the library and you thought he just didn't fit? He didn't look like a student? I did. I did. I, I could not tell you how the guy looked, but I felt like there was somebody that was checking me out. And I was like, oh, whatever, because there was a lot of people. I mean, there was not a lot of people. It was it was pretty, you know, good. It was always crowded in Miami. It's a late crowd. So the library was not empty, though. There was people. But I kind of felt something was kind of off. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't put a face to the guy. Um, but I did notice there was like this van following me, like a white van. So I said, could that have, you know, I'm, I mean, at this point, I'm just thinking I'm driving, I'm looking at the rear mirror and I was like, that's weird that I have this van following me. I couldn't put one plus one is two. You know what I mean? Right. I just started going like, this is weird. Well, I'm going to like cross the bridge for Key Biscayne. And if he follows, that's going to be weird because it's very few, you know, it's a, it's a smaller crowd that lives in Key Biscayne by that time. And you have to pay to cross the bridge. So I, here I am crossing the bridge 
and the guys a few cars behind me. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. Far, how long of a drive before you got to the bridge? Um, it's not that bad. It might be like about 15 minute drive. I forget, but yeah, I know but still, it is still there behind you. After right. But, minutes. but the, 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 weird, the weirdest drive is when you cross the bridge of Kibis Kane to the Winn-Dixie, the, the first supermarket that you hit in the island. That is a weird drive because that's like just straight stretch. It's a bridge mm-hmm. and it goes, for, it, it's pretty long. It goes for a good, I don't know, seven, eight minutes, just straight. Okay. And that's when I noticed, that's when I said, okay, there's a person following me in a white van. Like something is weird, you know? Yeah. Were you scared? I was, that's when my heart started going like, because I'm, I'm very precautious coming from Argentina that I'm always looking behind my back if somebody's following me. This was weird because I never had happened to me. I was already, you know, finishing freshman year. I'm like, this never happened. So I still brush it off. But I look in the rear mirror. I see the white van and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pull in a supermarket because I couldn't find the police station. I know the police station is a little bit further on, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the supermarket and check it out. Get uh, get out of the car because maybe this is not, it's not real. I'm making it up in my head. You know, so I go to the supermarket. I don't see that. I don't see any van. I mean, I just parked and I went inside and I said, oh, I'm going to buy some chicken. You know, by that time I was like worried. But then I said, no, I don't see the van. I don't see the guy. I don't see anything. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I made it up in my mind. You know, I'm going nuts. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. So I go, I buy my chicken, I buy stuff. But I have that same feeling I had in the library that I felt like something was off. Mm-hmm. So I get my my bag, you know, my grocery bag. And when I walk outside and I get into my car, that's when I see the van and the guy getting into the van. That's when I said, fuck. Okay, something is completely off. I'm scared, but what do I do? And at that that point, instead of like just, I don't know, staying in the car or honking or going to the police station, I drive to my house. Remember how I told you? And from the Winn-Dixie, Winn-Dixie, I think that was the name of... that's your first instinct is safety. Right. right, And and that was to my apartment, you know. Um, So I'm thinking my apartment building has an outside parking, which is like completely outside and it has a door and that's how I get into the door. And that's what locks. But between like where I park and the door, there's there's nobody. and, and, And at 11 at night... Kibiscane is dead. It's not like the rest of Miami. Kibiscane is kind of like a quiet, you know, little island offbeat. So that's, there's nobody there. So that's when I was a little worried and I said, okay, this is real. I'm not sure if he's following me, but there's a guy that is everywhere now. I felt him in the library. I couldn't see him. Now I felt him in the supermarket. And when I got into the car, I saw someone get into the same van that was going behind me. That was the thing. That's when I said, okay, I started to really like scare. Yeah, the panic. Well, I said, you know, it, it might be real. So now I'm pulling away from the parking lot. I went Dixie and the guy is following me, like literally behind me. Wow. And that's when I got really scared. And there's no cell phones back right. in the time. That's the thing, no cell phones. So, it's hard for kids maybe to imagine right now, but with no cell phones, there's no layer of protection and you're just as vulnerable as you can possibly be but the funny thing is instead i mean now that i think about it way back and i had told you i'm like i don't know why i didn't stay in the car and started honking or maybe gotten out of the car and staying with a wind dixie 
lady that helped me out in the checkout. Or drive into the entrance of the store. Yes, and just just stay, just and honk and just stay there. Right. It's funny. I was in my car, and the only thing I felt like my heart beat like really fast, and I just kind of panicked and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna go home." So I drove really like I started driving fast because the guy was behind me, and I'm like, "Shoot, he is following me," and I feel it's the same guy from the library, you know, all the way way back. Right. Because it's I felt it. Like now it was real. Right. So I, I, I went into like my, my outside parking lot that has like a ramp. I veered to the right. Literally, I ran out of my car. I left everything. I even left the door open of the car. And I had like my keys in my hand. I was trembling. I opened the door that is like an the outside. It's, it's like a, a door in like the outside. Door, yeah. Right? Okay. Literally, I opened the door. I closed it and I heard like this like on the side, on the door. So the guy had literally like the door closed and he was like, and he was like, he had chased you. I was like crying, freaking out. I was like, I, you know, like I was pressing the elevator button, the elevator opened, closed, and I was crying and screaming. I was like trembling. I got into my apartment. I locked myself in and I called the police. But uh, by that time, you know, the guy must have left or whatever, maybe lurked around because the police then came. Right. But, and then I called my did mom to Argentina. Say, did, the play, did the police say anything like we've had, a, we've heard of this guy before? There are other reports. Nothing, him, right? nothing. And they dismissed it. I called, I said, I got, I had a guy following me. He must be around there. Please send like someone to go check it out. I didn't hear back from them. And it was like an hour later, they called me. I don't even know if they went out downstairs. I was so scared. I didn't know anybody. Like I was. They didn't even take a report. No, they didn't even come upstairs. No. I think they called me back and they said, there's nobody, you know, I gave them my phone. Remember it was a landline. (laughs) (laughs) In the old days. It was a landline. Can you believe in our lifetime there were no cell phones? Nothing. It's hard to imagine. I mean, nothing. But now that I look back on it, my big thing was like, why didn't I stay at the Winn-Dixie? Why didn't I talk to the cashier? Why didn't I stay there instead right. of getting into my car, driving alone to my house? You know what I mean? It's like, right. I don't know. Those are the things that I'm like, I should have done better. Well, it seems like, especially in that day and age, your first instinct is get home. Home is safety. But actually, it was that was the last place you should have actually gone. I feel I feel like it, when you're alone and you, especially when you live alone, and you're there's young. no one else. And you're young. Yeah. I mean, look, if like I couldn't have gotten my keys in the right way i couldn't have opened the main door and closed it that guy could have totally grabbed me Uh, you you literally missed being captured yeah by a hair every single one of the victims that i interviewed i never in 26 years did i have a victim tell me i didn't see it coming they may say that at the beginning of the interview but as we die as we dive deep and we get the story behind the story which i like to say a lot they're always like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly what you did, kind of describing the story. You wanted to kind of brush it off. I mean, and I feel like that guy, I didn't go to school then. I mean, I, I skipped school for a couple of weeks. Um, I had a couple of friends in the island, so I stayed with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that maybe that person was at, at school or was somebody that would like maybe target girls. Where you? Girls. Where yeah. you lived. Yeah. That's a real possibility i don't know i was so scared out of i oh, i remember i didn't go to school for a couple of weeks and i just stayed at, at home at friend's home 
when you're describing that feeling, describe that feeling a little bit, because I know like I describe it like it is a gut feeling because I remember my mom taught me that lesson really early, really early in life. And I think it was more of like she was trying to, I think I was lying or something as a kid. And she's like, if you have a feeling that you've done something wrong, it'll kind of sit funny in your stomach. And I I had been lying and I knew I'd been lying and, and I felt a little gut feeling and a little sickly about it. Is that what you felt? I I feel like I did. And then I did I didn't listen to them really well. I feel like that that guy was on campus. And like he must have targeted other other girls. I'm sure of it. Right. Because the girls at UN, you know, they would party and they would be like drunk and you know, like in, in parties. So I feel like I'm sure there was a lot of that going on. Well yeah. So I mean like from a law enforcement um, you know, the bare minimum, did they get, did they, they didn't actually make a report. Is that right? I don't even think they make a report. Big. I didn't sign anything. No. Yeah. And unfortunately that's the bad thing. Cause now you don't even have a paper trail. So it was one of those, it's one of those runs where um, like everything else, you hope that you get a good law enforcement officer. And unfortunately, not all of them, because there really could have been a lot done. There could have been, you know, the whole what you just told us could have been in the report. And if they were really good in law enforcement, they would have called the university and say, hey, we just, you know, I wanted to pass this along. We've just had a woman, you know, and this is the information she gave us. It started in the library. She saw a white van, followed her home. And you just never know what that could have generated as far as other people knowing about it or if there had been other police reports made. It's just people were also like scared to even report it. I never reported to the school. You didn't? No, because wow. I thought, you know what? It kind of went away. It's that feeling that, you know, why am I going to? And the, plus I was international student, you know. And also you always have that feeling that it was more my fault that I did something that I shouldn't have done. Like, hey, I, I, ne- I, I never went, I mean, I never went to a library to study. I would go back to my house and study with friends in, you know, I would never go back to the library after that. And I transferred in, uh, in my sophomore year, then I transferred to a university in Washington, DC, uh, George Mason in Virginia. So I transferred, I left the state altogether. Um, I think it was way safer in Virginia than I felt like in Miami. I, I hate to hear that you blame yourself because you know, the whole victim shaming is a whole other topic in, um, in the, in our, in our country right now, especially in the, in the way that social media plays it, you know, victim shaming is a, is a huge thing. So it's so important. And I hate that we're, you know, we blame ourselves, especially as women. I hate that, you know, women can't go out to a club and, and look nice and, you know, and not be, oh, well, she wanted it or she asked for it. I mean, to, to victim Shane is, is in this situation is like, are you kidding me right now? You're at the freaking library. That's cute how you say that. Uh, but it's, I felt it was more, okay, so again, coming from Argentina and it's a very Catholic country, is a complete different ballgame. It's always like uh, the fault is on your side. If you do something, you're always at fault when but you're Catholic. Was, but that was the climate when we were young anyway. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's always me. Victims you know? would be the ones on trial. Exactly. My feeling was always like I did something wrong, and my you must have attracted that exactly. Thing, so in a way, 
my parents never taught me about that gut feeling because it was always like, you know, my education was very strict. You know, if you did something wrong, it was that time that they would hit you, you know, make you kneel on whatever, on the grass for a while, for a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yes. You know, very strict Catholic upbringing. You didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I think the, the big lesson for listeners and it like never, ever, ever ignore your gut feeling. Like, like who cares if you're wrong? Like who cares if you're wrong? Because, and it's interesting because when we talk to people, the number one reason that they don't follow through, do you know what the number one reason is why people don't follow through when they kind of have a bad feeling? Does any, do you know, Colleen or uh, they feel embarrassed. They feel embarrassed. They don't want to cause trouble. I'm just guessing. Yeah, it's it's more like they don't want to offend somebody, right? So, and now we're in this day and age where everybody gets offended over everything. But when I've talked to people, it's like, oh no, what if I was wrong? Like I don't want to. I don't want to. You know. And then and and if they happen to be a different color, then that's a whole other ball game. But the main reason is that you don't want offend anybody. So the thing is, is like I always say at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, if you do follow your gut and it's, it would be nothing, right? Like, so who cares that you were, that you were wrong? Um, and there wasn't anybody, but I do, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent believer in, um, if there, if something, if you feel something wrong, there is something wrong. Now it doesn't necessarily mean that someone's going to kill you or abduct you, but there's something wrong, period. Because we're not able to identify it completely. And then another thing too, you know, doesn't make it less wrong. We're just not able to identify it. And the thing that I, that I always love to say is that you trust your gut feeling, trust when something's off and always try to think of what would I do you know, what would I do? What should I do? And and think about it beforehand. Like, like I like to tell young people when you're working and you're going out, just go ahead and think about what you would do if something were to happen, because your body will not go where your mind hasn't been. It just won't. Right. And that, especially when you're in that panic. Yeah. State, especially right? when you're in that panic state. So that's just like when you go into a restaurant, like Colleen will tell you, I'll never, I just was out to dinner with a friend last night. I'm in Chicago and, and, you know, she sat down and she sat down where I wanted to sit because I needed my back to the door. And I was like, Hey, let me sit there. And we switched. And it's just, it's just one of those things that I got to scan it. I got to know where the door is. I got to know because we're not in the great part of Chicago. And so where we went and ate was fantastic, but still wasn't great. I knew that. And I just needed to know where we could go if we needed to. Um, the whole victim shaming, don't waste your time with that. It was a lesson learned. And the best thing you can do is pass it to your children, get on a podcast, talk about if something feels off, it absolutely is off. Exactly. So in a way, my parents never told me about like a gut feeling if I feel something is wrong. It was more like um, in Argentina, it was more like when you go out, you always have to look behind your shoulder, never go out alone. But I mean, I was in America. So in America, everything is safe, right? So for me, well, right. But for me, I thought, you know, and then I was very prestigious university, like very like wealthy people were there. It it was going to be safe. And that's what happened to me. I felt like I was secure. And my gut feeling, 
I feel that after that, I, I will never forget how, what that feeling was. So if you ask me about the feeling, I felt like I was at the library and something was watching me. And I totally, totally paid no attention to it because I said, I'm how it can be. There's all these kids around me. It's so secure. But then, you know, it, it got worse and worse and worse. And now I, I believe that I was being already watched since like I was in the library. When I left the library, you know, like there was a guy watching girls, I'm sure. But the thing is, the lesson, if you feel it, it doesn't have to be tangible. If you feel it, you don't have to see it. You just have to feel it and try to act accordingly. That's the whole point of it. Because a lot of times when gut feelings and bad things are coming, it's not it's not real obvious. It's like a thing that builds up exactly like it did. And it needed to build up so much for you to be convinced. And the lesson is, don't let it get built up. When you feel it, do something about it. Don't, don't, don't try to mind fuck yourself and be like, oh, I'm being stupid. Oh, I'm being paranoid. Oh, you know, oh my gosh, I don't want to offend anybody. That all, screw all that shit. You don't, it doesn't have to be terrible. You don't have to see it. If you feel it, it's true. I don't know what to, to what degree, but if you feel, and we do that a lot, like even in relationships, we're like, eh, I don't know. But, and then we give a list of things that we like, but this, but this, and then we go back, but I don't like this. And, and all of that is really, really real. And it's, you know, so it's just like change with everything else. It has to get really, really bad before you change. And then this situation, we just want to tell listeners, don't let it get really, really bad because you may not get out. That's the lesson. Right. Yes. Yes, Manina. Yeah. And and I did I did feel like like you say, Manina, I was like I felt like there was something, you know, almost like like you but I couldn't put it. You couldn't it wasn't tangible. No. Well that incident kind of like definitely changed how I felt. I felt like like scared. I wouldn't want to go out at night, basically, alone. I immediately I moved in with a roommate and after that incident I got a boyfriend. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> My 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 second year, my sophomore year in in the UM, I got up. I had a boyfriend, and I almost lived with him. I was scared. I was that yeah. changed me for I think forever. Like the way right. uh, you know. Then I tell my kids, you know, all my kids when they left for college, I I always like I'm super like vigilant about that. You know, never walk alone, never go out at night alone. You know, please. You know, even if you think ah not. I feel like the instinct that did one. Did you tell instinct. your kids the story? Yes, you did. Good. Yes, I told. Them, especially Sophia, your daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm glad to to hear that you're okay. And I mean, I think the thing is, is we've all been there. We've all been there. We've all ignored. We've all ignored. You know, and there's people that can ignore and can ignore and can ignore, and it will be fine. And then there's certain people that the first time they ignore. They get attacked, you know, raped or murdered or, you know, so you just never know. So I think, you know, now, obviously, it affected your entire life. Exactly. Um, But if we can spread the word that, man, if you feel it, something is off, I promise you. And if I'm wrong, who cares? Like, you know, in this whole world of I don't want to offend people. Yes. Right. And, not, and also, like, two important reframes. Somebody finds themselves in a situation where they can't extricate themselves. It's already too late or they just got caught by surprise or whatever. Just to turn the, turn the fear 
into anger. Absolutely. And with the reframe, like, I won't let the, if he's going to hurt me, he's going to hurt a lot of other people after me. So not only am I going to hurt him and make sure I protect myself, but I'm protecting the lives of other people too. Oh, absolutely. And then if you, you know, if, if like in that instance, if he were to, you know, begin to attack, then you just scream bloody murder, you know, and yeah, make it as difficult as possible. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you sharing your story and, uh, there's a lot of lessons, uh, to be learned from that. And, and uh, the key is just to n- don't ignore that bad feeling. And um, for any listeners that want to share their um, close call stories, we would be absolutely um, honored to have you on our show. So reach out to us. Uh, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you, Maria. Again, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Keep your head on a swivel. Stay safe. And we will see you next time on Murder with Manina. If you have a cold case you'd like Chris to review, submit it through our website at murderwithmenina.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Murder with Menina and Twitter at Murder W. Menina. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Murder with Menina.